What is up, everybody? This is Doc Jock here on the Fantasy Sports Network. Of course, brought to you by Sports Grid. That is Dr. Mitchell Roslin. I am Greg Sussman. Baseball is finally back in the news, Doc. It's finally the trade deadline. How you doing, Doc? I'm, I'll use the word bewildered. All right. I'll use the, the word bewildered as I'm looking at what our local New York Mets are doing, and I guess um, I guess no one really has an idea, and I, it's too early to judge, but I'll use the word bewildering. Um, it's fascinating. They go after Stroman yesterday, and then they dump basically Vargas's salary so that it's financially neutral for them. And once again, I think it sends a message to the entire world that the Mets are a big market team that have a small market mentality. Let's get into all of that, as the Mets were thought to be by everybody sellers at this deadline, that they had pieces like a Jason Vargas, like, more importantly, a Zach Wheeler, a Noah Syndergaard, a Todd Frazier, plenty of pieces that they were able to potentially trade away. Well, the first big move of this deadline season was acquiring one of the top starting pitchers on the market, acquiring Marcus Stroman from the Toronto Blue Jays for two of their top prospects, not prospects that were inside Baseball America's top 100 or anything like that, but for Anthony Kay and for an 18-year-old in single-A ball who does seem to have potential. From everything I've read, Doc, seems like a good trade for the Mets, so they didn't have to give up an exorbitant amount for Marcus Stroman. Which is strange when you look at it, the whole thing makes zero sense. First of all, why was the market for Marcus Stroman so low? Or, again, when it comes to prospects, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So it's so funny the strong opinions people have, like at the NFL draft, how we argue the Giants were stupid and this and that. We've barely seen any of these players play. When it comes to baseball, we've never seen anybody play. And... Within the Mets, I would say that Alonzo and McNeil are two of the best young players they've ever brought up. Mm-hmm. Neither was on Evan, you know, Keith Law's radar or anything like that. They basically did it the old-fashioned way by hitting the shit out of the ball in double A. 100%. Okay. 100%. And that's why, listen, the Blue Jays evidently wanted this dude uh, back in the draft. The Mets stole him from him. So the Blue Jays had their eye on these prospects. They felt getting two quality starting pitchers that ultimately could line up with this next core with Vlad and Boba who was called up, um, and Lourdes Gurriel and a couple of these other guys will all line up well. Fine. I get it. But the Mets, a team that is on the periphery of being in contention here, we were talking about it before the show, uh, three teams are currently tied for the two wildcard spots in the NL, followed by the Phillies and the Brewers, one back each. The Giants are two and a half back. The Diamondbacks are three and a half games back. The Mets are six out. There are one, two, three, four, five, six teams ahead of them for one of the two wildcard spots. So the thing that I, I, I have a problem with is decide what you're going to be, okay? Decide what you're going to be. And if I'm the Mets, what I would decide I was going to be is I was going to say, the one advantage and seeing the Yankees against Boston, especially as we get into the summer, and again, we've talked about how with openers, maybe starting pitcher has become less important, but the advantage that the Mets theoretically could throw out is they could throw out a major league pitcher every single day. Mm-hmm. And as much as we've maligned this administration, the Mickey Calloway, by and large, they've done a reasonable job, no one's perfect, in keeping their starters reasonably healthy. I know Matt's missed time, Wheeler just came off the disabled list, but by and large, for the last two years, their starters have made a lot more starts than, than you, you're, you're, you're surprised. So, I didn't really get getting Stroman, but, you know, again, you have him for another year of control. You feel you're going to lose Wheeler, so you're going to do that. But I didn't get 
what's the rush to get rid of Vargas unless you're dumping salary? And is the $2 million that they're paying Stroman that important? Why not? You know, Vargas ain't so young, and, 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 and everybody in New York wanted to run him out of town the second the Mets signed him. That being said, he's had a very major league season. You know, he just pitched six good innings the other night. He's been dependable. He's eaten up innings. Your five guys are not going to stay healthy. If you're really going for it, what's the rush to get rid of him for a non-entity? Well, again, so let's take it as it is. Vargas was traded uh, just moments ago to the Philadelphia Phillies, a team, one of those teams that are ahead Head of the of Mets, um, both in the division and the wild card. They traded him for a non-entity, a 26-year-old double-A uh, catcher who's batting under 200 double-A, who is a good defensive catcher, obviously can't hit But he's going to revert to the mean and hit a hot streak. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> Jason Vargas' ERA this season was 4.01. His XFIP sat at over 5.2. His K per 9 was close to the worst of his career at 7.73. Ultimately, he was uh, 6 and 5 in 94 innings uh, pitched this season. But as Doc was saying, he is a major league starter. And I get trading Jason Vargas away. I do. You're not picking up his option next year. You don't want to pay him. I get it. But are you going to trade him for something? Like, all you did was train him for some salary relief. You, got, you picked up a couple Which is of- what I said, small market mentality. Absolutely. If you're going to go for it, and this is the problem, is, is it seems like there's something different on Saturday than they are on Monday. If you're going to go for it, what is your advantage? It ain't defense. Okay? Clearly. Okay? So you, what you're essentially playing is starting pitching and hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's not a bad combination. Sure, no, of course not. Okay, especially as you get, you know, one of the reasons the Mets have played better, and to some degree we've seen the Yankees play worse, is the hitting exceeds the pitching this time of year. People get tired, and this is the time where teams do make runs. Colorado made a run last year. And I I don't think it's likely, but the only way the Mets make a run is if they're starting pitching is better than the other team starting pitching like it was this weekend against Pittsburgh. So the Mets only make a run if they have more often. And I actually think that you need six arms to do that. So Joel, Sherman, Joel Sherman just tweeted out that on August 4th, since August 14th of last season, or last year, Vargas' ERA in 27 games, 26 of them starts, 3.56 is that ERA. He's functional. Over that same period of time, in 22 starts, Marcus Stroman is 3.45. Very similar. Yeah, I, listen, I, that's why I think what happened is they got Stroman... They were going to cheap, and they had some sort of deal in place for somebody else, and they just didn't want the extra payroll, so they got rid of it today. And I just think that's just another indication that the Mets are a small market mentality. I have no idea what's coming out afterwards. You know, I have no idea, you know, all the talk about Syndergaard. I think that if you trade Syndergaard, and I have no problem trading anybody. I don't think there's any... I guess McNeil and Alonzo, and now that you signed him to Grom, would be untouchables on the Mets. Sure. But I have no problem for the right value. But that being said, Syndergaard has the attraction of being one of the guys. That he could, if, if you're going to draft pitchers and you think of who could be the most dominant in the future, there are very few names that come up before Syndergaard. He has actually underperformed, but he was very good in the World Series. He, I know he missed a lot of time last year, but it wasn't arm injuries. His arm seems to be somewhat durable, reaching into what we talked about. Like It seems that some of these guys go south, and then some of them can go a long time. And I, I mean, I would not trade Syndergaard unless I'm bringing back, you know, if, if you're talking to the Padres, my name starts with Fernando Tatis. They're not doing that, I, you know, and it makes no sense. The Yankees call on the phone. I'm talking Torres. And at first you'd say absolutely not, but I can tell you, look at where the Yankees were, and the Yankees are going to be in the playoffs either way. And the question is, are the Yankees going to have a horse get them home, or are they going to try to win the Joe Torre way, just like they did Atlanta, by turning the game to the bullpen in the fifth inning? I think they need a horse. I don't see a horse. Severino at his best 
you know, at the end of last year, they, were, they couldn't wait to get him out of the game after four innings. So who, Tanaker, you know, has pitched incredibly well in the playoffs, but I got to tell you, you know, he's a home run waiting to happen. It has not crapped out on them in the playoffs like it did in Fenway Park the other day. But I think that, again, he, when, 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 if you make him not throw the splitter, his fastball, he can't get by people. So if he's not fooling you, the ball can go out of the ballpark. So I really think that the Yankees need a horse. They need a Verlander. They need somebody that can go out and do that. And that's why I said I would have given up the farm from Bumgartner a few years ago, a few weeks ago. He's not there. I mean, if I'm the Yankees, I'm bringing back Zach Granke, Syndergaard, or you know Bumgartner, somebody of that ilk. And those are the only three names that I can think of. Marcus Stroman's not that guy. I have no problem Brian Cashman saying, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm going to pass. Marcus Stroman is exactly what they have. Five, you know, I think he's a, maybe a touch better because I think he has a, you know, a big game personality. But I don't think he's that horse. And I think the Yankees need that horse. They need somebody who can go out and give, get them straight to the ninth inning if they really want to win a World Series. They're already in the playoffs, you would think. They're in the playoffs, I agree. And it's extremely clear, especially over this past weekend uh, and the last week, rather, facing the Twins and the Red Sox. That they need somebody. That they need help because James Paxton and Jay Half, and thus far without having the feel of his splitter, Masahiro Tanaka, CeCe's Bathies on the IL, it's not all, all fours. Enough. All fours. Maybe threes. But no, nobody's a true horse. No. No one's a true horse. Now, Paxton, you would have hoped, would have been a true two. But let's face it. If you're going into a game against the Houston Astros, who are, or the Boston Red Sox, you know, I'd say that, you know, the Red Sox seem, they're coming in a top-heavy American league. Do you really think those teams aren't going to score four runs against that pitching staff? I think every, every team will score four runs against the pitching staff. So that's my point. You know, the, and, and, and you know what? Noah Syndergaard, especially if the Yankees get him right, okay, you know, good pitching stops good hitting. If Noah... Syndergaard is on his game. He can throw seven zeros, and now you only have to win three games in a series. Listen, so if you look at the market, and you look at any of the possible pitchers that are out there, there is no question, and I'll include Madison Bumgarner in that conversation. Syndergaard has the highest upside. Syndergaard's the guy. Okay, if, if Syndergaard... Syndergaard's the guy. If you were going to sit and draft pitchers, okay... Not what and they've we, done. Listen, we do it every year in fantasy baseball. Okay, not what they've done, I got but it. with the potential of what you think they're going to do. That is the draft every March in fantasy baseball. Okay. We do it. I, I, I mean, I, I can think of few names that have higher upsides than Syndergaard. You want to tell me Walker Bueller? I may grant you Walker Bueller. Okay, it's certainly, I think, Kershaw, who's phenomenal, is on the downside of his career. Verland on the downside. But, we're talking, but I want to talk about, really, the next two years. That's what he's under contract for, right? So, like, Syndergaard's 26 years old. He'll be 27 years old next month. Hard of his career. You're looking for a guy. You want to talk about some names. Like, give me Max Scherzer. I understand how old he is. Max Scherzer is the dominant pitcher in Major League Baseball, right? Walker Buehler's a little bit younger. Fine. A guy like Garrett Cole I'd rather have at this point. Noah Syndergaard. I think that's, I mean, I, 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 you know, again, if you're talking, you're talking resume, I can't argue with you. You're talking upside, I think Syndergaard may have him. I don't know about that. But, 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 but that's fine. Garrett Cole's on the Astros. It ain't happening. <laughs> no, it's, it's. Okay. He's a free agent after this year, though. He's well, a free agent. But again, this is the year that you have to Toronto it. I mean, if you're the Yankees, this is the year you go for it. I mean, you know, again, I, I have to ask the, with, with, you know, what Brian Cashman's goal is. Now, the Yankees are okay kind of with the Billy Bean philosophy, which is, you know, we want to make the playoffs as much as we can, and the playoffs are a crapshoot. We can't really determine. But my job as a general manager is to have us in the playoffs every single year. Then I wouldn't go out and do it, okay? Because they're already there, and, it, you know, chance, blah, blah, blah. If... They want to win a World Series. 
I think they need a horse. So I don't dispute that. They do need a horse. The only horse that, are, that is out there on the market, if you take Bumgarner off, I agree, is Noah Syndergaard. But to go out and get Noah Syndergaard, it has to be the right cost. Now, I agree with you. You sacrifice the future if you get a piece to win the World Series now. But the Mets would be, stu- the Mets are be stupid, as stupid could be, to take three... You know, a smorgasbord of what our grandparents would say is schmutz, okay? And, and I don't even mean schmutz in the schmutz sense. Like, you know, prospects of the Andujar, I know he's out with an injury, that have, have things. There's a small amount of pitching out on the market. There are a few people who can be horses. And you start the conversation with the Gleyber Torreses. I know that's really painful for the Yankees to do. They won't do it. Well, that's fine. They shouldn't do it. I don't necessarily know about that. I know that everyone say that, say that right now. But again, the Yankees have been able to patch it together with the Geo Ursolas. Sure. They're not able to patch the pitching together. Remember, they got Gleyber Torres for a rental well, Chapman. for a, for Chapman. You, you know, yeah. You know, they have DJ. They have a glut of players there. I, it, they you know, do, it, but they don't because you have Miguel Andujar who's hurt. Who knows what it'll be when he comes back? Diego, DH. Diego, yeah. Diego Gregorius is a free agent in two months. You have LeMahieu. That's it. I, I understand. But the Mets would be stupid to take a prospect short of the Vladimir Guerrero, who they're not getting because Toronto's at a different stage. Fernando Tatis, Gleyber Torres. But you're, but you're not. See, the thing is, you're not naming prospects anymore. You are naming bona fide young Ma- major, major leaguers. League, and that's what the Mets have to bring back for that. that and I don't know any team is going to do that because Gleyber Torres. And you keep him. But here's the thing. Vladimir Guerrero is 20 years old. Fernando Tatis is 20 years old. Gleyber Torres is 22 years old. The Yankees. And you're getting. That, that's the, not sacrificing the future. That's sacrificing the present in all these cases. I understand. I understand. The question is, you know, the question is, and it's a very tough. Gleyber Torres is a fantastic player. Correct. You know, fantastic player. He's going to be an all-star. I have the stats in front of me, right? 291 average this year. He's got 20 homers, 65 runs scored, 55 rubies. His OBP sits at 358. He's a terrific player. Awesome. Okay? No question about it. But I would not be sending Syndergaard or Garcia, their top pitching prospect or anything. First of all, how many of those guys have really, 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 really made it? Of course. Okay? I would not be sending him. Any prospects like that, obviously. Well, I, I, you know, Ken, I, it's kind of, I think we hit a different time because, you, you know, we don't believe Tatis was like that. We don't believe that Guerrero, these guys really have come on with probably higher credentials than than just the, the average best prospect right. that we've seen. Sure. Okay. They seem to be, you know, it's like the difference of Le- LeBron James coming into the league, you know, or even more apt, Zion Williamson. We haven't had a, a conversation about a first-year player. Like last year's draft, DeAndre Eaton certainly wasn't comparable to Zion Williamson. So I think that the Tatis Guerrero fan fear coming in is higher than what I've seen in recent years, and looks like they've lived up to it. And, you know, honestly, the Mets guy could be the best rookie of them all, Alonzo. You know, sure. you know, he certainly can make a very strong argument, and he hasn't been that bad with the glove either. You know, he's actually played a... He's been awesome. He's actually played a professional first base. He has been awesome. So, I, I mean, trades are supposed to hurt. I mean, I, I, I think that... You know, at first, the Yankees' reaction is no, 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 no. But at the end of the day, I don't think if the Yankees are not sitting there, who's going to be the, you know, who's, you know, the, you know, as Daz says, the horse with no name. If Brody is smart, the conversation with me starts and finishes with Gleyber Torres. Call me back. I, I mean, that's what I would say. And, you know, as you come closer to the deadline. We're two days away now. You come closer to the deadline. It's a tough decision. I know Yankee fans are probably throwing. It's not a tough decision. You'd say absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay. And, and but, but I, you know, I don't know. Then you're going to be bringing back another J-Hap. You're bringing back another J-Hap? You're bringing back another J-Hap. I, I won't sacrifice the next 
five years of Gleyber Torres. I won't do it. The Yankees won't be sacrificing. They, sure they'll, they find another, they'll find another Gleyber Torres. I don't it, think it's that easy. Doc. It's not that easy, but they, you know, they, they already have, you know, you, 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 you know, it's like, I know if you call a Switzerland and you're a Yankee fan. You go, okay, I'll give you Frazier. Okay. That's great. He doesn't have a position in the national league. Mm-hmm. I'll give you Andujar. He doesn't have a position in the national league and he doesn't have an arm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we'll throw in our best pitching prospect. I, I just want to remind you, you know, the last Yankee pitching prospect that really kind of, I guess Severino, you could say. Severino counts, sure. Yeah, Severino counts. But, you know, the Yankees do a great job. Of building up their prospects. Of building up their prospects. So buyer beware, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Buyer beware. Very but, much so. Okay? It's rare that Cashman trades a prospect and it backfires. Yeah, buyer Absolutely. beware. Totally. Okay? But I think that Cashman is at a, and I don't blame him. Again, decide what you want to do. Is, it, is, this, is the playoffs a crapshoot? Or I know I'm going to be in it, and I have to win the World Series, and then I'll figure out. Because the Yankees have enough power to win without Gleyber Torres this year. I don't know about that. You really don't know? I mean, they score a lot of runs. And you're going to they have do. Stanton coming back. Maybe. You have Encarnacion. You have, you have Judge. I mean, you have a lot of power on that team. You don't have a horse. Def- definitely not. You don't have a horse. Definitely and- not. And, and, you know, you know Bumgarner would have been a great choice. I don't think he's on the market. And Syndergaard, you control for two years. And, you know, that's – but short of that, if you're the Mets, would you, what would you take if you're the Mets if you, you, you throw him off the table? If you throw Glaber off the table, the question becomes – I know you don't want to hear this – but the question becomes, is Debbie Garcia and Clint Frazier, who obviously are the Yankees' two top prospects and their two top trade pieces, does that get you close? If the answer is no, the Yankees don't have, there's no match. I don't know anything about Garcia. Okay. Okay. But I, I, I tend to believe that no one, you know, no, no, there's no way that you're going to let Clint Frazier be the centerpiece of a trade. Well, Garcia would be the centerpiece of the trade. If that's the case. If Garcia was such good, why isn't he up here? He's very young still, and he started the year in single A. And he will be up. There's a chance he's up this year. You know, that would be my point. And if I'm the Mets, the likelihood that Garcia is going to be as good as Syndergaard and have his upside as Syndergaard is very, very low. You know, again, Syndergaard was... The tough guy when the Mets played in the playoffs against the Dodgers mm-hmm. and against the Royals. He was the guy who came out, you know, when DeGrom really muscled his way through, you know, seven innings in that game five or six, really didn't have his best stuff. That kind of, you know, came out of the bullpen and went one, two, three in the seventh inning. He was the guy at, you know, City Field that decked the Royal guy after it. I think Syndergaard's a good game, big game pitcher. I, I, I would, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, again, I know he hasn't had two great years. I know he hasn't reached his potential, but his potential as a pitcher, I think, is equivalent to Gleiber's as a position player. I think Gleiber is better for 162 games, but I think Syndergaard's more important if you're already in the playoffs. So the, when talking about Stroman and talking about Syndergaard, the obvious conversation leads to what are the Mets doing? What is their plan? And, I think it changed overnight. And I don't know, because you have Buster Olney, who's been on this all day, tweeting out that rival exa- evaluators now believe the Mets are going to trade Edwin Diaz before July 31st. Then what are you acquiring Marcus Stroman for? I don't get it. I don't get anything. And what do you... I mean... I, I, you know, the first reaction I had when Brody made the deal for Stroman is that he couldn't admit that he screwed the pooch and he was going to do everything he can to compete when, when, when he's doing it. Like, I was trying to think about that you acquire Marcus Stroman, you're going to trade away Zach Wheeler, you're going to let Zach Wheeler walk, and he replaces him in the rotation. And I'm just like, you're giving up prospects to do that, and are you going to get better prospects for Wheeler than you gave up for Stroman? I don't know about that. You're not. No. Probably not. Especially if you have the extra year of control. Of course not. You, 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 you might have before he hurt his arm. 
I mean, because probably not though, because you're talking about two years versus, or sorry, one year versus two months. Right. I mean, again, I think first of all, over their career, Stroman has been a better pitcher than Zach Wheeler. But if you ask who could be more dominant in any one night, it's probably Zach Wheeler. Is it? I think so. I don't know about that. I, th- I think so. Zach, Zach Wheeler's got pre- look at strikeouts per inning. I, That'll like, go with Wheeler. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean. You know, and that's what we usually equate with dominance. Domin- dominance. Okay. When you're talking about like a, a ground ball, I mean, the the guy that you think is going to have the, who do you trust more? Stroman. Okay. Okay. You trust Stroman more, but who do you think who has more electric stuff? I mean, you, you know, again, it, 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 this goes back to where we started with 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 Jason Vargas. Jason Vargas's numbers has been as good as both of these guys, but he's not sexy. He's not good-looking. He doesn't do it the same way. No one, like, like you and I aren't scared to get into a batter's box against Jason, Jason Vargas, Vargas, okay? No. You know, you would really not want to see Zach Wheeler throw a fastball up and in and then throw a slider on the outside corner. You really wouldn't want to pay, hit, see Syndergaard, all six foot six of him, who basically throws the ball when he's basically touching you, come down, down on you. Marcus Stroman is, is as short as we are, Okay. He doesn't look nearly as dominant. So it goes, but in terms of results, Stroman's been a better pitcher than Wheeler, and he's made more starts. There's no comparison. But again, if you're going for game seven and you're hoping that somebody just goes and pitches lights out and you say, hasta la vista, Zach Wheeler has better stuff than Marcus Stroman. Mm-hmm. And that's fair. So what the hell are the Mets doing? I have no idea. I, I think that they had some sort of deal in place and they got Stroman so they'd have five pitches in the rotation. Something fell through and then they wanted to stay budget neutral so they gave away Jason Vargas. And they I have saved, no they idea. They saved $2 million in the deal. And they picked up $2 million something in... Is that what it is? In, well, Stroman was $7 million prorated okay. and they got some money going back. Did that go, so, I, like I said, what bothers me is that obviously they did this to be budget neutral. They didn't do this for value. It's not like they were replacing the prospects because Vargas has no value from that standpoint. Jason Vargas and the Mets, no, lo- no more. Jason Vargas, of course, headed to Philadelphia. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who he replaces in the Phillies rotation. Zach Eflin's been terrible as of late. Vinny Velasquez just got back into the rotation. We'll see what happens uh, with the Phillies. And they traded him within division into a team that's ahead of them. Does that make any sense at all for, for, for a nondescript catcher? It, it doesn't matter if you're not going for it. If you don't care, then it makes I no difference. I got it, but, but then say that. Well, I mean, again, can't you can't really say that, but you, 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 it, 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 none of this makes any degree of sense. I guess you got to see what, what the end result is. The only thing I will say is if you trade Noah Syndergaard, you should get somebody who's got both the upside and somewhat guaranteed. Um, and because he, you know, you know I, I don't know who the Minnesota twin guy that meets that, you know, description is, but I think all of these teams really, really need a horse. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I will tell you about the Yankees is the Yankees have not made a trade that's hurt. And that may be something that Brian Cashman has to consider. I mean, he's spent so many times building these prospects. I think he's gotten a little bit reluctant. You know, it may not be a great deal in five years, but right now he needs to close in the next year or two. We'll see ultimately what Brian Cashman does and the rest of all of these contenders trying to make uh, their moves in the next two days. What do you think about just one trade deadline this year on July 31st? I always thought the whole waiver thing was kind of ridiculous you know, okay. after that. I mean, you know, it's, you know I, I kind of like it just gets okay. done and, and stuff, stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, what, do you, what would you do if you're the Yankees? I wouldn't, as I mentioned, trade away Glaber Torres for Noah Syndergaard. Okay. What does Zach Wheeler cost me? If I'm the Mets, you have the Yankees over a barrel, I'd ask for 
Probably not getting Garcia. I'd Correct. probably ask. I, I'd probably ask for the second best pitcher in their system. The second best pitcher in their system is probably Albert Abreu. I think he's actually hurt. That's what, that's probably sure done. Probably what I'd ask for. Done. I think it, it, good. Done. You know, again, I don't know what the we Mets are deal, doing. Doc. Yeah, we made yeah. a deal. Got yeah, it. I mean, I, I I think that's what you basically would do. Um, you, 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 you know, I think, I think that Zach Wheeler makes tremendous amount of sense for the Yankees because I think his upside is the very highest. high. Anybody, yeah. His, his, you, know, you know, he's the girl with a twirl. When, he, when he's good, he's very, very good. And I actually, I've watched a lot of his games. I have actually think he's been very good and made some bad pitches in the wrong time this year. But more often than not, and, you know, I just wonder one thing that's going on is I wonder if the Mets are thinking about relieving one of these. I don't know. But if they get rid of Diaz, mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to let Familia close. I mean, it's going to be really interesting. To get rid of Diaz, you take on Cano's contract, um, you traded away Kalenic. I thought that they would just, you know, I thought they should have gotten, you know, they gave away way too much. Just taking Cano's contract should have brought So, something. I agree. I mean, that's what I thought was happening. And I was almost going to say, boy, I like that. That was almost like what the Browns did with... Um, the quarterback. With Brock Osweiler. Right. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I thought the deal was. And then I saw so it was a real baseball deal. I said, what the hell are they doing? Right. Okay. You know, I, I thought Cano's contract coming off steroids was untradeable. And then came the Mets. And then came Brody. You know, Brody. And, and, and that made no sense at that time. And I, you know, I think Brody's a bright guy and eventually we'll figure it out. But right now you, 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 you have your head scratching. Moving on. I found the interest, the fascinating story about like our other favorite general manager in New York, you know, one talking about Odell Beckham as all of his receivers are dropping like flies. But the story about Golden Tate's kind of interesting from a medical perspective. So he's not the first uh, player to be suspended for using a fertility, fertility drug. Robert Mathis was also suspended, and he appealed. And he lost. For those that missed it, Golden Tate suspended for four games. The Giants knew about this back in April, and uh, Golden Tate is appealing and says, listen, I didn't do anything for performance enhancing. I was trying to uh, get my wife pregnant. And that included a substance I was not allowed to take, and I had nothing to do with performance enhancing. I am appealing. When Robert Mathis did it, he lost his appeal. Suspension was upheld. And Golden Tate, listen, I don't know. First of all, I, I can talk about the medicine. I can't talk about Golden Tate. So clopid is mainly a female infertility drug that, huh. that essentially blocks estrogen so it raises testosterone levels by working in the central nervous system in pituitary gland. So it's the first-line treatment for female infertility. Okay. And since it can boost testosterone, it's been used with mixed efficacy in male infertility. Okay. Not basically blue point. Really, really simple. You know, if I'm hearing this appeal... I just look at Golden Tate and I'd say, let me see what your testosterone level was. Right. Let me see what the slides were on your sperm. From my understanding, you just had a kid right before this, too. Because there was no real workup done. So it's really easy to see the truth, okay? Because, you know, if you go for an infertility workup, both you and her are worked up, okay? And tests are gotten. They're going to measure your testosterone level. They're going to look at your sperm underneath the slide, Okay. So if under doctor's advice is that he met me in the bar and I said, take some clopid so you're, you, know, you, know, you have raging testosterone, I don't think that's going to fly. He's going to have to show that he had a legitimate workup for infertility, which I guarantee you he did not. Even if he did, even if he did, he's still going to get suspended. I would tend to think if he could show you that his testosterone was low. But it is still your responsibility. I understand that. But if he could show you that he went to doctor urologist, okay, okay, with his wife, okay, they went for infertility and they did a complete workup and he was the problem and the doctor prescribed treatment and it was based on scientific evidence that he is, you know, testosterone was low, there was a problem with his sperm count, etc. I think that he has a plausible argument. I would tend to believe that none of that stuff exists, but I may be very wrong. I don't even think it matters. We've already seen the precedent with Robert Mathis, as I said. But you don't know what they asked for in the appeal. No, I don't. You know, I'm saying, so if I'm hearing the appeal, I'd say, okay. 
you know, show me, open up your medical records and show me that you were worked up for this condition. Because it'd be, clopid is, the efficacy of clopid in males is very controversial. So I would find it very, very hard to believe that that would be prescribed, but, you know, but it's known to really get your testosterone juice. We'll see, ultimately, uh, next week is when Golden Tate's appeal is expected to occur. Let me go around NFL training camp here for a moment. I want to go to Los Angeles, and I want to go specifically to Melvin Gordon. Because Melvin Gordon's holding out of training camp and says, listen, pay me, or I'm not showing up. Le'Veon Bell, too. The precedent has been set by Le'Veon Bell, who legitimately sat out a year, was allowed to walk, and ultimately got Paid. Melvin Gordon is not Le'Veon Bell, but he's a pretty darn good running back in the NFL. I think he's got the third most yards from scrimmage behind uh, Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott over the last three years. So that's that. So the thing with Melvin Gordon, though, is does he have the ability to hold out for an entire season like Bell did, or like most of these holdouts, will he just show up? So... It's really interesting, and things take a life of their own. I don't understand. I, I, I would disagree. I would agree with certain running backs being undervalued. Mm-hmm. But essentially, I would list players like Ezekiel Elliott, Barkley, Le'Veon Bell. The class, I think, underneath those guys would be M- Melvin Gordon yep, as, as playmakers. Sure. Okay? And in my mind... I don't think it makes a difference if the playmaker lines up on the outside like Antonio Brown, okay, or lines up on the inside. I, I, I actually think if I had a choice between Beckham and Barkley, I think that Barkley has a chance to make more of an impact on a game than Beckham. And, and, and I think that Barkley would be a more valuable player that I could do more things if I was an offensive coordinator. If I could only pay one of the two guys. And I couldn't care where they lined up. So I think that this has taken a life of its own, and I understand these guys' points. And I, you know, I was always very sympathetic to Le'Veon Bell's sure. point last year. Mm-hmm. And what I do think is true is that running the ball, even though A.J. Green got hurt in practice it's and stuff, stuff, stuff like that, um, I think running the ball takes more out of you shorter. And these guys have the shortest career time that... I think especially if Le'Veon Bell performs well, that rather than age, we're going to be looking at miles on the speedometer. And I think that all of these guys don't want to be the next DeMarco Murray, where I think the Cowboys just gave him the ball. 7,000 times. You know, it's, it's funny. I was reading that Anthony Kay, like Connecticut, pitched. Yes, UConn. UConn pitched him to death, and that was supposedly one of the things that the Mets were concerned with and, 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 and stuff like that. And, and that his arm fatigued and he started out like a lights on fire and, you know, his season's gone downhill. So I'm very sympathetic to guys like Melvin Gordon. And, and I think that they're going to hold their ground because I think their thought process is that I only have so many hits and so many carries in this body. And if I defer them to 2020, I'm better off. And I also think that the biggest thing is not so much the one-year money in the franchise. I think it's the guaranteed money is becoming more and more important to the running backs. Very much so. And I think that's exactly where, um, right exactly where we're headed, where all of these football players in general want guaranteed money. They want to be paid because they understand, and you mentioned DeMarco Murray, that they're going to be worn out, that they, their teams do not care about them at all. And that... First contract after getting drafted, that's it. Would you, like, assuming you have a certain amount of money and you're the Dallas Cowboys and you could either pay Ezekiel Elliott or Amari Cooper, who do you pay? Ezekiel Elliott. So, is that, so yet common perception is the receivers have been more valuable. Mm-hmm. I don't buy that. I think, I think they're all playmakers. If they line up in the tight end position like Travis Kelsey, or they line up in the running back position, or they line up in the receiver position. So I, to me, they're kind of all the same. And, you know, I think 
offensive line is is really been the undervalued position, but it's also the hardest to, for us from the outside to evaluate. I think that these, like I said, these guys are coming off their first contract, and that's that's all they have. And the offensive line is clearly, as you mentioned, the most valuable position because it's going to make the running backs look better, the quarterbacks look better, the wide receivers get better. They score the points, they make the money. That's why I think more and more you're seeing an investment in the left tackle, investment in the right tackle, investment in guards. That's where the money should be. Now, that money and that influence wouldn't have changed anything with A.J. Green's injury, as A.J. Green, now over 30 years old, having problems quite often when it comes to his ankle and his foot. What do you take of these recurring injuries to A.J. Green? I think receivers... By and large, I mean, we've seen some freaks of nature like the Jerry Rices of the world. Terrell Owens, you can talk about his personality, but yeah. he, he, he was able to answer, answer the bell. Um, but they also have a short, you know, short sh- shelf life. And they're, what I'll say is, the plays they make, we remember because they're wide open and they're exceptional and we give them a lot of credit. But unless you go back and look tape and tape at every play, <clears throat> you really don't know their influence on the game. Last year, we talked about Beckham and the Giants' offensive line was the fault. But if Beckham was really that quick and you have Barkley in the backfield, he should have been able to get off the line and made you compensate in a way so that if he was that good, you could overcome a bad line. Now, is that Manning? Is that other things that go in? I can't tell you. That's beyond my level. Sure. But the reason you pay great players is because they create a matchup problem, which makes everybody else compensate so that you have an extra man to help you in other areas. I never saw that. Now, that. Obviously, the plays he made in front of us were unbelievable. Okay, but how many other plays did he not get off the line? I I don't grade that. I mean, that's way beyond my. You know, you'd have to really be watching the game tape. But you would expect that if you have Barkley and Beckham on the same thing, that should be able to com- and Evan Ingram for that matter. You have that much speed, should be able to compensate for a below average offensive line. That was the least, idea, right? At least theoretically. Mm-hmm. I'm just. I'm that just, was the idea. I'm just saying that theoretically. So that makes me believe that the people that were supposed to win their matchups didn't win their matchups. Amari Cooper, perfect example. He looked like a very pedestrian wide receiver for for Oakland. Mm -hmm. Comes to Dallas, where they have a better offensive line, Mm -hmm. where Ezekiel Elliott's the key, Mm -hmm. and and he sets the world on fire because he's obviously capable of winning one-on-one matchups. He wasn't capable of winning... One on two, or one on versus one point one point two, but obviously Ezekiel Elliott made him a much much better player. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Ezekiel Elliott and the offensive line in Dallas made Amari Cooper much much more important, much much better, and certainly helped him in line uh, for a payday. The Cowboys gave him a first round pick to go out and get Amari Cooper, and obviously it, it worked out uh, very very well for them. They needed yeah, him. I mean, they, they came with this stone throw of going very, very far. And, you know, they, 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 look, they look promising. And, you know, Zach looked like a different quarterback once he had mm-hmm. a receiver he could throw to. But, again, they couldn't win without receivers. Um, and welcome to the New York Giants this year right now. So, so you saw what Dallas tried to do with very pedestrian receivers with a better offensive line. Mm-hmm. So our bet for over for Daniel Jones, I think, is looking pretty solid right now. The um, couple of things before we wrap up here. Le'Veon Bell has apologized to fantasy football owners for last year's debacle and said, draft me this year, I won't let you down. So I thought that was nice of him. Are you listening? Uh, no. The <laughs> Dolphins have fired their offensive line. Yeah, I thought coach. that was great. I, I, I never. That, that's got to be the ultimate man. He, he was fired before there was, I think, even a preseason formal well, practice. Sure. I mean, it was it, because former Giants have offensive line coach too. Flaherty. Yeah, I, 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 who had a good reputation. I Very think. good reputation. People were shocked when the Giants let him go. 
So what do you think that's all about? And they say it's about performance of the offensive line. Football-based. That's, that's, that's what they said. I mean, that is really a strange – a first-year coach, you, you know, a first-year coach, which is it, – it's either a very positive thing about a coach or a very negative thing. You know, I think the time will determine either Flores has a very strong idea of what he wants and this wasn't it. Or, you know, it's already a mutiny, and he was the most mutinous. I have to imagine that this offensive line was getting rocked, right, on a daily basis in practice. Like the defensive line was destroying it, right? But w- would you conclude that's a system problem more so than a talent problem? I can. I don't know. Obviously, the head coach believes it was a system problem, not a talent problem. Obviously, he believes that the other guy that he had there, this guy's assistant, was going to do a better job. Is that naivety? I don't know. I mean, you know, with the internet, with the fact that all of these teams hire from the same um, pool, pool, lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. they hire from the same pool, they scout extensively. Do you really think anybody has a monopoly on something that could be so radical so soon? I, I mean, this, this is not this guy's first rodeo. No. I mean, he's ran training camps in, 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 in advance. I mean, this is not like he was asked to do something that he's never done before and it's just completely out of left field. It, it had to be a personality conflict. I'm sure it was one of these like the offensive lines getting beat and you know he screamed back and you know they screamed and it was just you know a macho macho you know man versus man and it's my way or the highway and this is my show and you're gone. Absolutely. Anything else this week, Doc? No, just some predictions. So what do you think the trade deadline do you, what do you think happens? I think the Yankees get somebody. I think my prediction will be Robbie Ray. But good choice. Yes. Why not Granky? I don't think he's available. I don't think you know what. Let me rephrase I don't, that. You know what? He's, let, me, let me rephrase that. I don't think he wants to be a Yankee, and I don't think he fits with the Yankees. Uh, you know, I think people make too much of that because when he was in Kansas City, he pitched in Los Angeles, which is not exactly the smallest place in the world. He's thirty some odd years old now. He's not. He he he. Even, he's, the, even the Dodgers is not the Yankees. I understand, but he's in his thirties. Okay. It's not like he melted under pressure when he pitched in the playoffs. I understand. I mean, I think that this sometimes things take a life of their own, and I I believe I, Grinky also has the Yankees on his no trade clause list, and I don't think it's like a Bumgarner thing where he's like, all right, I'll, I don't mind. I don't think he. I really don't think he wants to go. Believe me, as a Yankee fan, I'd rather them acquire Zach Grinky. I don't think they do. I, I mean, honestly, you know, I think there are ways and and stuff like that, and. You know, I, I, I think that I, I, I will say this. The Yankees need a number one, not a good number two or potential good number two. Like I thought passing would be a decent number two or number three. The Yankees need somebody, you know, like Zach Granke. You, you know, I'd even list Granke ahead of Syndergaard to be perfectly honest. Syndergaard has, again, the upper high. But Zach Granke is more guaranteed. He also fields the position. He also goes deep into games. He never has a bad year. I mean, I think that the Yankees could sell it to him. I mean, but they have to be, you know, my, I think Brian Cashin is one of the best general managers in baseball. I really wish he was running my team. I also think he's very concerned about making a bad trade. And sometimes you have to make a, I wouldn't say bad is probably not the right word. You sometimes have to give up more than you're getting in the long run to get you across the finish line. Sure. And he has not watched, he can't keep on putting Severino out there for game one and taking him out in the third inning. Obviously not. But Severino, who he just re-signed long-term, I mean, that's the guy. This year, I can't promise you that he's not healthy. But that's the guy he's going to go with. But the last he's two still years, still young, though. 
The last two years, you couldn't. You, you, last year, even when he was pitching I well, I they know. couldn't wait to get him out of the I game. Know. Okay, I know. they they need. Can't guys grow up though. Can't they get better? Yes, but now he's going to be on a pitch count. It ain't happening this year. Right. Okay, you know, honestly, go win the World Series this year. That's what I'd say. You know, twenty five years old is Luis Severino. Okay, if I'm Hal Steinbrenner, I call Brian into the office. Say, Brian, you've done a great job getting us here. Go win the World Series this year. Worry about next year, next year. If you need to go win the World Series, it means Hal's got to pay, pay up. It means you have to cross another luxury tax. Go win the World Series this year. If that was the case, they would have signed Dallas Keuchel. They would have signed Patrick Corbin. It would have been a much But again, I think those guys are the same... SOS that they have, to be perfectly honest. I don't think Patrick Corbin I, is. I think Corbin's a little better. I'll, yeah. I'll give you that. But, but Dallas Keuchel, I think everybody thinks he was great. With, yep. He was a better version of Jason Vargas. I think everyone thinks he's on the downside of his career. Now, maybe they're wrong, but I think that the overall prevalence of people were his stats are pretty good, uh-huh. but we think he's on the downside of his career. Houston, yep. Houston didn't think, you know, he was... Definitely the third or fourth wheel for Houston last year after Charlie Morton, Garrett Cole, Verlander. He was the last wheel. He wasn't like, you know, so I, I think the stock was going down, okay? They need the guy. I mean, I, I would tell him, go win the World Series. We'll worry about next year, next year. We'll see if Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman do just that. Go win. The, and if, you, if I told you, Greg Sussman, you're the general manager, Go win the World Series, okay? And I'll tell you, you, here's what I'll tell you. I want you to bring in the one player that we need without distracting, you know, detracting from our Major League World roster because I want to win this year. Who do you bring in? I don't care what you're giving up. I don't care about the salary. I want to win this year. It's Noah Syndergaard. It is. Could be Granky. I don't think that's, I don't think that's an option. So then if it's Noah Syndergaard, then go get me that guy. You just said don't give me anybody off the Major League roster. Well, if I'm the Mets, I hold into that. And you're sure. having a, a, a thing. If I'm the Mets, I'm not bringing back three prospects unless those prospects are... Vladimir Guerrero. That, 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 that genre. You know, that genre. I'm not, I'm not doing that unless they're that genre. Especially to the Yankees. Especially because I think the Yankees, you know, I think if you're the Yankees or the Twins, okay, and if I'm the Minnesota Twins, same exact conversation. How many more years are they going to lose the wild card game because they don't have a horse? It's funny, even when they had Santana, they used to lose the wild card game, but that's a different story. That's true. The Yankees <laughs> always had their number there. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Jock Jock here on the Fantasy Sports Network, brought to you by Sports Grid. It's been a blast. Next week, of course, trade deadline will be done. A whole new crop of news to talk about. He's Dr. Mitchell Roslin. I am Greg Sussman. Check out all of our other old episodes here on YouTube. All you have to do is search for Doc Jock. Have a wonderful evening. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Good night.